want to welcome everybody back to the seven golden rings of relationship success today class number six uh this one's subtitled how to cultivate a hot christian marriage again copyright on this pmc 2020 uh, i'm joined here today uh ragnar you there somewhere abednego yep Absolutely. Uh, and i just want to jump in right away we've got so much here uh, on content side that I want to get to, and we have a lot of things, obviously, with a with a subtitle of how to cultivate a hot Christian marriage. There's going to be some hot button issues we'll get to, and we'll have a lot of fun. But I just want to let you know up front, for those of you just tuning in, we're going to have some really practical things that will help you in your relationship, because we have some people who are listening who are dating. We also have some people, uh, and they're working toward marriage, those kinds of things. But we also have people listening who are already in a marriage, uh, just started, or 20 years, or 30 years, whatever. And some of those hot bedroom situations, some of those dead bedroom. So we're going to give you some practical things that we're going to go over today to help alleviate some of those problems and give you some hope on some things. So just wanted to start off on that um, and, and give a couple things as we get into this. I probably uh, want to go to both of you on different items, but I want to set the stage on why why we're doing this um abednego with your situation there in ministry i'm working with a lot of guys too on the counseling side i know you are ragnar some of the guys that you work with over the last several years on this project we've we've been working on the pmc project positive masculinity crusade there's so many things that have come up here that just need to be so we're going to hit a lot of those and uh and this is class number six, how to cultivate a hot One of the things, because I've had people send in, call us. Uh, I know you guys have heard this too. Why do we have to do this? What is the problem? Can't we just look at the Bible and God tells us how to do this thing? And I don't know what the problem is on here. First of all, I just want to say that that is really older order thinking on terms of that. Because it's one thing to just say that when you get married or in a dating world, is that, hey, God said we have to do this now. And this is how we learned in the church back in the day at Bible school. No, in, in culture, in our society, the rules are different, okay? And we've, we've talked about this in other shows, is that, listen, man, people want to get married, they run to the church house. If they want to get divorced, they run to the courthouse. And so there are different rules. And for us to think, whether we're Christian people or otherwise, people of faith or just some people on the street, whoever, for us to think that people out there aren't playing by different rules is naive and it shows such a lack of awareness as to be um, in a total ignorant arrangement mentally, okay, that you think everybody's just going to follow the church rules here. If that's what it was, they wouldn't all be running down to the courthouse. So I don't want to put a negative slant on any of this right away. But when you look at, in the church, over 50% of the people on their first marriages, on a 50% divorce situation, okay, it means we, we've got to address this somehow. So that's why we're getting into this. Also, another reason that we've talked about many times is that we're losing guys, okay? And we're losing guys physically. Abednego, they're not here walking on the earth. They found a way to check out when they got zeroed out on this thing. Either all their money's gone now on a divorce settlement, however this worked. And I guess we're moving to the bigger question, both of you, Ragnar, too. Later, I want to address 
has really come up. Abednego, you've done some some recent studies on church statistics, okay? And and because we want to move, sure, keep a hot Christian marriage, absolutely. That's what we're moving to, okay? On this this conversation, this show. But can the church survive in this direction that we're going if we don't get this relationship in this bedroom situation? If we don't get this thing under control, can the church even sur- even survive? And you know, I was talking to you earlier a bit ago about this, and you had some startling facts for us about what happens in the church when there's a divorce to the couple, to the single people. And I just want to let you address that real quickly. I know we're only a few minutes in, but think this isn't 1950s. Leave it to Beaver World on this, okay? And so, Abednego, go ahead on that. And some of the things that you're finding on church attendance and what a nuclear family. What a strong leadership in the male position. What that means and, and how it affects the church. Yeah, as far as as far as how how it affects the church, I mean, when a divorce happens, you end up losing everybody. You lose the whole family. One person doesn't stay. You lose everybody, and most of the time, they don't go back to church anywhere else. Um, what I'm finding and statistics back up are the people who um, who are devoted uh, church people. They're, they attend every Sunday, they're involved, they volunteer, they teach, um, they do things like that. Uh, their actual rate of divorce is, is very, very low. I, I believe it's less than 15, 10%. Um, it's very low where um where we get the divorce rates equal uh for christians and secular is because when they look at everybody who claims to be christian um that that begins to skew um the the numbers and so if you take somebody who uh, who is a very irregular attender and so um regular attendance used to be that uh you would miss maybe two or three sundays a year Nowadays, uh, regular attendance for a lot of people is that maybe you go once or twice a month. Um, people who attend irregularly like that, uh, their rate of divorce is actually higher than uh, people who are not Christians, who claim to not be Christians. And so that skews that number. But if you take, if you take and you look at the people who are, de- are devoted to the tenets of Christianity, um, to the teachings of Jesus, uh, to gathering together as the church, that number is is very low um, for people. Now, that's not saying that they don't have problems, and that's not saying that they're happily married, okay? Although um, we know that the lesser amount of sexual encounters they've had before marriage increases uh, their marital happiness, uh, their their satisfaction in marriage, um, but there's there's a lot going on here. Can the church survive if it continues the way it is? You know, I've answered this question before, and um, one of the things I just immediately said was no, um, I, and and I got thinking about that after I said that. And what I would really like to say is the church will always survive. Uh, no matter what, it's survived uh, extreme persecution from very powerful political aspects um, in the past. It will continue to survive. 
because the church belongs to Jesus. It's his church. And so the church will survive, but can it survive the, the way it's intended to be? Um, man, if men don't step up and, and take their leadership in the family, if, if we don't have that uh, going on, if people are so unhappy in their marriages that they're divorcing this person and marrying that person, and you don't even know who goes with who anymore. Um, yeah, the church is definitely, it loses its effectiveness um, big time because um, the church is supposed to be that example of the husband and wife, the marriage uh, relationship, that marriage covenant is supposed to be the reflection of the covenant that we have um, between us and God. And, um, and so the world's looking at our marriages and they're saying, well, if Christians can't even get this marriage thing right, then what's the use? What's the use to, to uh, go to church and what's the use to have a relationship with Jesus? Um, I would say look at the statistics of the people who, who are very involved and, uh, and you would see that, you know, those, those rates of, of marital happiness are usually higher. The divorce rates are very much lower. Um, and so, um, yeah, can the church survive? Uh, it'll always survive, but um, it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be salt and light to the world. Uh, like it's supposed to be, like it was meant to be. And so, you know, as Christians, we definitely have to step it up in this area, for sure. And that means we got to talk about it. We can't be quiet about it. We've got to have real discussions. And most men's groups <laughs> don't ever get to this point. They never they never talk about um, the, the gritty stuff, uh, the stuff that makes the marriage. Because we know at the end of the day, the marriage is a sex covenant. Uh, it's 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 a covenant and and it's a it's a sexual contract where you're saying my I'm going to get sex from you and you're going to get sex only from me and and we're going to do this thing you're going to fulfill my desires I'm going to fulfill your desires and and so uh, that happens that needs to happen in the marriage um, and so we should be doing that and when we're not man uh, yeah it just it destroys the family. And when the family's destroyed, then that destroys the church. And when the church is destroyed, that destroys the community. And that's what we're seeing really in our culture right now is a failure um, to do things and really in a godly way. You know, Abednego, let me go back here a little bit. You said something I would just want to drill down on a little bit. And um, so um, if it's okay, I'm going to come back to you on this. Um, you said, well, yeah, is the church going to survive? I, here's the analogous part that I would, and I know you've got some thoughts on this, Ragnar, to, to get into in a little bit. Yes, the church can survive as an entity, okay? But one of the things, and this is, this is also scripture, is that, you know, lukewarm, okay? And this is all over the place in the Bible, is that I don't want lukewarm. I want people who are on fire, okay, to be worshiping Jesus, uh, to be tracking down their faith and working out all these things about how they're convicted on what their faith really is, okay? So the analogous part on that, right, Abednego, 
is because people use this all the time. And, and I say this, and I think in many ways misapplied, and we can get into that maybe in another show. Um, they talk about, well, you know, the church is to Jesus as the woman is to the man, you know, talking about this type of thing, right? Well, and Jesus doesn't want any lukewarm church. He doesn't want, he's not interested in seat time. Okay. He's not interested in just, I'm here and yep, somebody checked attendance and I'm there. Okay. And Ragnar, somebody, you know, put some money in the plate today. Okay. And they, they read some Bible scriptures. They don't know what it is. And so I think one of the things, what you're talking about, yes, church should be around in some form. Is that the form it was intended to be? Uh, I mean, is that worthy of some guy dying on a cross for us about it? Right. So the reason I'm going here is because there are a lot of marriages out there that survived. I mean, technically, they didn't go get a divorce. They hung around for 50 years, and they had the wedding cake, right? right. But they're not on fire. There's nothing going on in the bedroom. They're lukewarm, if that, all right? Everybody's miserable. And so it sounds to me like some microcosm of the church in many ways, right? And so that's where I'm going back to you on this, Abednego, is that it's not just important that the church survive in that somebody gets to wear a VBS t-shirt, right? If they're not excited about this deal. And so in the marriage side too, you know what I'm talking about on this parallel is that I'm not interested in keeping all these marriages together. If everybody's miserable and nobody's happy about this thing, number one is that's a terrible model for your kids. Number two is right. Anybody looking at that thinking, I want to get married like grandpa and grandma or mom and dad. No, nobody wants this. Okay. And, and you can't hide this thing. When the romance is gone, there's no spark, this kind of stuff. Okay. So I go back to you on this. Abednego is it? Yeah, I, absolutely. There'll be a church, some remnant, some form, whatever. But how do we keep this hot? And it's the same answer. Okay. It's the same answer. You find the answer to that. You find the same answer, how to fix all these relationships that have gone either lukewarm or non-existent or flatlined or dead bedroom. Abednego, I'm going to let you take that away on that because that's, that's really, listen, that's really the question is not what's our church role look like? What's our attendance look like? It's about how many, okay, maybe you got 500 people, but if only two of them are on fire, mm -hmm. what does it matter? Okay. In your relationship, if only one of the couple is on fire, what does that matter? Okay, go ahead and take it away on your thought. I know you have some. Go ahead. Yeah, it's it's not going to matter if just one person is uh, what we say all the time, jumping on the football. Um, if one person's on fire, uh, you know, can that work? Oh, man. You know, I've seen all kinds of things. Um, I've seen all kinds of things. But typically, if if just one person's on fire and the other person's checked out, typically that, that doesn't come back from the brink. Um, you're exactly right when you're talking about, you know, well, what would Jesus want? Uh, he wants us to be on fire for him. He, he wants that, that relationship where, where we can't wait to, to, uh, to read our Bibles or to pray or to gather with other believers and, and to learn what he's trying to say to us and to have communication. And um, he wants us to be on fire for him. And, and you're right, you know, there, there are correlations between that and, and the, the marriage. The marriage needs to be on fire. And, and I realize, you know, we're sitting here, uh, what, 30 years, 30 years of marriage, you know? Um, it, it's, it, you, gotta, you gotta work on it just to keep that fire stoked, you know? You can't, you can't just, uh, 
how the how the the hot flames of all the stuff that you had going on in your 20s and that's just going to carry you through forever um you know it does take a lot of work but um yeah you know it, it goes back down to that cheap trick song right it always goes back to that you know i want you to want me yeah you know it, it, it's so true it's what it's what god wants of us he wants us to want him um, it's what we want of our spouses. Uh, we want them to want us. We want them to desire us. And, uh, and so, you know, that's extremely important. Um, and it's important to have these conversations. I, I was just thinking about, you know, I talked to a couple one time, had been married, I, I can't even remember, 30, 40 years. They were, they were, they were older. And um, they were having some serious trouble in their relationship. And what it boiled down to, it was a sex issue that they couldn't talk about. And they had never talked about, ever. They'd never said the word sex to each other. And, and so, um, you know, it's, it's so important that we have these conversations. It's so important. I'm glad for people who are tuning in uh, to listen and to learn uh, because we've got a huge learning curve in the church. Um, we just we fail to uh, really address these situations the way we need to. We tell young girls uh, and and boys, dirt it's dirty, nasty, wrong. You don't do it. You're a bad person. Oh, look at Jimmy, Joe, and Sally over there. She got pregnant. They're oh, they're horrible people. Shun them, you know. And uh, and we get this idea that it's bad, bad, bad. And for the most part, guys don't really have a problem with that. Girls do. And so on the wedding night, all of a sudden, they're supposed to flip the switch and be, uh, you know, some hot little vixen in the, in the bedroom, and they can't do it. They, they have a hard time overriding the programming that, that's been in them since they were little bitty in Sunday school all the way up through that said it's wrong, it's bad, it's dirty, it's nasty, and it's not. It's beautiful. God created it to be beautiful and wonderful and to be a bonding experience between a husband and a wife. One of the things that, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this, I'm going to leave this up here. Okay. We've talked about this before numerous times, this cheap trick thing. I want you to want me. And here's, I think there's another level there that we really, we really haven't gone into. And what I'm put on the board here, page two is, we need a cheap trick relationship. You can't, listen, and the reason I'm saying this, you guys are talking about not only the lyrics are, I want you to want me, I need you to need, okay? This is the same with with Jesus, that relationship, but it's the same man and wife side to make it successful and have a spark, to have a hot Christian marriage. Now, let me go back here. It's really hard, Ragnar, Okay, what's hard is to have an on-fire bedroom, and I'm and you know there's people who aren't going to like what I'm going to say right now. Unless there's some depravity, okay. And I didn't mean to give a nod to Seinfeld episode, uh, but we all remember the episode where Jerry had the girl who was just too good. He couldn't get excited about her sexually. He said, "I just can't imagine there's any depravity there. I just can't." So I, I guess the image in your mind is is that, you know, this idea of some street girl out here, obviously we don't want to go to that level, but 
there has to be some idea about depravity, some mystery here, okay? And that's that's what cheap trick is, and that's what guys get excited about. And so this idea about cheap trick, there's a couple meanings there. Obviously, I want you to want me, okay? There's that level, but there's the level about a cheap trick. There's something nasty going on. There's some depravity going on here. Okay, and so I'm going to come to you, Ragnar, in a second, but I want you to think about this, Abednego. He's going to put some stuff together for us, but I guess here's, before I go back to Ragnar on this, Abednego, the biggest problem that we've got, to, and we're going to tackle this here in a minute. Um, guys, we got some great stuff coming, too, okay? And I want to make sure I spell this right here, rectify. Abednego, if you can see this. We want to figure out, this has given all the Christian people problems, and this is causing all the cognitive dissonance out there, is how do we rectify this? How do we be a person of faith, but yet we still have all these sexual needs as a human being? Okay, this is really causing a lot of people problems. I mean, for thousands of years, today, and this is where the guilt and the shame comes in, right here, okay? But how can we, that God put on us, put this in us, by the way, these needs, okay, that not only that on the mental side, but physiologically, we're going to talk about some of this stuff too. And the marriage covenant, which you brought up a minute ago here, a bit ago, in dead bedroom. How do you rectify, if you're in right now, you've been married for a while, how do you rectify you're in a dead bedroom and you don't want to go get a divorce and you're trying to do this church thing, you've been breaking covenant, Somebody's been breaking a covenant probably both ways. And how do you get your sexual needs met in under this umbrella of faith? Because you need regular and healthy sex. There's four different things here, and we gotta figure out how to rectify this. And if we don't figure this thing out, us sitting here talking about some stuff ain't gonna help anybody. Okay. So let me go back. Um Abednego, if you could put some thoughts together on that. I have some also. I'll go back are on some of these things you know mystery we're going to get into that in a little bit but this idea about the guys need to create this okay right and cultivate this that's that's a real strong side on yours ragnar i'm gonna let you take that away a little bit about how as men we create this and cultivate this in our relationships yeah i um you know, I just I just got through with some counseling not too long ago. Uh, just going through uh, some things with a couple that's um, that's going to be married here before long. And um, you know, one of the things I did was I looked her right in the eyes. I said, "If you're not willing to have sex with him three or four times a week, at least, then just do us all a favor and let's just end it right here and." move on down the road um she kind of looked at me you know because she's a church girl and um she's not used to hearing people talk like that uh but i turned to him and i said um but your job is to make sure that you bring that out in her that desire for her that she wants to uh do that with you um you know so many times what we do is the default uh, as Christians, is just to go point to Scripture and say, "Well, hey, you know, Second Corinthians, or First Corinthians, First Corinthians seven, Paul says, 
you know, your body's my body, your body belongs to me. And so I'm going to, I'm going to go borrow my body for a little while. And I'm going to, you know, well, um, that doesn't make her want to. And if we go back to the cheap trick thing, you know, I want you to want me. Well, the best you're going to do is some kind of a, a transactional uh, sex, a starfish sex, um, the duty sex, because I mean, in that same passage, it, um, it, it talks about that we should fulfill our marital duty. And, uh, you know, we, we don't want sex to become a duty. Uh, you know, like that sounds like equivalent to somebody's got to go clean the toilet. You know, uh, nobody wants to do that. And, and so, you know, we want, we want the kind of sex that validates us as, as a man or validates, um, you know, for a woman, she wants to be validated as a woman. Um, I think, you know, both parties want to be into this deal. Uh, but there's, there's lots that men need to do. And we've talked about in some of our other sessions, um, you know, we'll talk about more today, uh, that, that we need to do in order to, um, cultivate that, the desire, and our wives, and one of the number one things that guys can do is you got to be the guy. Uh, you got to be the leader in your home. Um, so many passages in Scripture it talks about men being the leader in their home. You can't default leadership um, to your wife. Uh, when you do that, then you're putting you're putting a masculine role on her, and uh, and she will resent you. Um, the catch to all that is that when uh, Adam and Eve sins and God brings the curses to them for their sin, he, he, he goes to the serpent, says, hey, you're going to crawl around on your belly now, you know, and that kind of thing. He looks at the woman. He says, okay, here's what's going to happen to you. Your pain is going to increase in childbirth. And then he says that um, you will desire to control him but I've placed him in authority over you. Now, a lot of versions will say that your desire will be for him, which makes it sound great, like awesome. She's gonna desire me. That's not what it means. It means she's gonna desire to have your place, your role. Um, she's gonna desire to control, to lead. And so um, that that's the rub, that's the friction. Women. Um, that, that's part of the curse. They're wanting to control the relationship. They're wanting to run the relationship. They're wanting to lead the relationship. And a lot of guys will default that. They'll be like, well, she wants to do it. So I'll just let her do it. Well, she wants to discipline the kids. I'll just let her discipline the kids. But when you default that, when you vacate your role as a godly man in your marriage, then it flips it all. And then she's over you and she resents you. She doesn't want to have anything to do with you. Um, and, and it creates that cold bedroom situation. And I think we see this in the church setting so many times. We've got a bunch of guys who are nice guys who, who don't want to ruffle the feathers. You don't want to cause problems. If I'm just nice enough, She'll drip me some sex and it's all good, but you lose all the passion in it. The best you get is transactional. It's never validational. When you get the validational is when you step up 
and you do the things that God called you to do. When you take the role of, I'm, I'm going to discipline the kids as a man. When you have your wife discipline the kids, that's, that's your job as a guy. She resents you. She doesn't want to have anything to do with you because she's having to take the masculine role. And so she can't be feminine. She can't be who God created her to be uh, because you've got her in the role of, well, the role that you're supposed to have. And so it, it negates all the desire for her. She has no desire for you at all. Um, and, and she's looking at all these other marriages going, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. I wish I had that. Um, so yeah, you've got to, as a guy, you've got to step up. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to create that desire. And the, be, and the best thing you can do is to be that guy that God created you to be, you know, Adam's whole thing. Adam, everybody says, um, I hear a lot of people say, well, Eve was actually the first person that sinned. she, she ate the fruit. She ate the apple, whatever. And, uh, and it's like, no, no, because Adam's job that God had gave him was to tend the garden and everything in it. His job was to take care of the garden. Well, who was in the garden? Eve. He didn't take care of her. He, he, he didn't protect her from this serpent. He, he, didn't, he didn't make sure that she was protected, that she was safe. And so he actually created the first sin by failure to take care of her, even though she was actually the one that ate the fruit the first. And so, you know, it's this whole thing of guys, we've got we've got we've got to we've got to be the man that God created us to be. We've got to take leadership in the home. You gotta make decisions. You you can't you gotta make decisions. We've talked we've talked about this before. We you know, Abednego, I'll tell you, too, um, is that this is one of the big things is that obviously anybody can show up and try to have some top-down thing. I think, Ragnar, when you talk about, though, cultivating this desire, I want to go with you for a while here on what that means to you. How, how have all these guys all over dropped the baton on this thing um, and let this go? Okay, when you talk about transactional sex, um, Abednego brought this up versus validational sex. We want the cheap trick. We want the girl who wants us. We want this girl who says yes right away. We don't want all these rules. We don't want all this stuff. We want the girls who's crazy about us. Ragnar, what does that mean to you hearing all this talk here for the last however long we've been going off? And how does that work in a real situation, okay, about getting – into a deal where as a guy you cultivate that hot relationship where there's some polarity here some back and forth some anxiety i want you to take that away ragnar on that and just let us know what your thoughts are i know you've been uh, I mean, you've been taking all kinds of notes i know you're dying to get in here i think that uh what you really have to realize when it comes to sexuality I mean, we have street lights we have satellites we have tvs we have the church we have all this regulation and rules and things but sexual sexuality is primal it's primal it's biochemical it's primal it's spiritual it's i'll give you all that but it's also primal and there is a, an instinct in uh, man and woman's subconscious or lizard brain as we call it on here um, to, uh, there's, a, there's a strong instinct for a 
a woman that's that hasn't been damaged as far as abuse or something and and um, if she's if she's straight there's a there's a strong primal drive for her to submit sexually to a, a man that she perceives as powerful and and we talk about here compassionate alpha so co compassionate power not abusive power but there's even examples of of women submitting to abusive power you see women going back over and over to the same guy that's abusive or and she goes to a different guy that's abusive or they start going after uh, murderers in prison men that are in prison or a, a village gets taken over five years ago with vikings and and so she submits to the next guy because she's got to eat she's got to survive but that power also uh sometimes can 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 throw her in in estrus a little bit so you know you can't you can't solve a primal problem in my opinion totally with civilized left brain analytical algebra it's primal and so anytime there's a negotiation or anything like that i mean it's watching paint dry it just it just dries her up it's primal and it's got to be done it's performed more so than said you know and so you know just like uh Abednego had a counseling session a few hours ago so it's the height of consciousness i had a very nice evening and morning and so that's the very height of my consciousness i'm off on wednesdays and so um you know, nice dinner, a little time in the pool, a little music, da da da. But I, you, you got to make sure those primal switches are being flipped, and then you'll have validation. They they want you, um, but you have to make sure that that primal. And also, there has to be a love there. There has to be if there's not been if there's a, if, if they're straight and they're not been abused. And, and you're in a heterosexual relationship with this woman for her to really blossom there has to be that she's got to feel that safety of non-judgment and love and compassion around her so that she can push that depravity and, and open it and, and, and explore that and once they feel that safety around them and you're doing the leadership and you're a mystery and you you, you pass fit tests and all these other things then that stuff happens and it happens often and frequently, um, but you have to make sure those primal triggers are getting triggered because we go, we talk about Fifty Shades and some of these other things that have sold hundreds of millions of copies. That tripped primal triggers. You had a guy in there that was in charge. He was a billionaire. He was dark. He was mysterious. He, he was a little damaged, so most gals think they can fix him. Uh, he had a helicopter waiting. Everything was planned. The date was planned. He had security. Some guy tried to grab her. He had, he took him down real fast. I mean, all switches that all these professional women, college-educated women, Christian women, all thrived and, and, and dove after this book because all of those primal switches were being clicked. All of them were being clicked. And so if you're, if you're not going to focus on, on the primal side of this, too, and I'll go back to what Abednego says, might as well just give up now, you know, just give it up. Because to me, you know, I've been on this earth a little while, over half a century, and I either want that primal energy or I'll just go watch Seinfeld reruns. I don't, I don't want it less than that, you know. I'm not going to do that. Um, 
you know, once you've had filet, it's sometimes it's kind of hard to go back to jerky sometimes, you know. So I wouldn't want that. But that primal stuff's got to be flipped. And there's ways of doing that. I talk about that. But the primal thing, in my opinion, has to be done. And you can do all the other stuff. We're in a civilized society. But you have to trigger those primal drives in her. And when you do, she will look at you like you're a, a, a piece of filet right off the grill. And you will experience that. But you have to do that part of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it really doesn't. It, it really does. Here's, here's a problem that we run into, Ragnar. Okay. We've created all these nice little church boys. Okay. And they're nice. There's, these are these are the guys. These are, uh, but they're a little bit too nice. Okay. And so people always say this. Well, I can't. And, I, and you know, if you had to give a dollar for every time you've heard this again, you know, you'd be a wealthy guy out here. And both of you have heard this. Well, I can't believe she's with that guy. How can she? She comes from a good family, good church. And she's out here. Look, man, she's, she's banging this guy over here in the corner. What's going on over here? All right. And listen, a little bit too much nice guy on this. And you brought this up, Ragnar. And I want to go here. This isn't going to be a topic that most kind of uh, guys uh, in the ministry, church, whatever, however you categorize this genre here, crossed over a lot of barriers over the last few weeks putting this series in the go. So I don't want to. I don't want to try to create or in who we are here. We're trying to reach guys. We're trying to reach awareness. And if we could just leave it at that, that's fine for me. But this idea I put up on here, Ragnar, you put up about primal triggers and you brought up 50 shades of gray. Let me go here because I don't think that the church learned what they were supposed to have learned from this on 50 shades of gray. I remember when this kind of came out, I don't even know. It's, um, five, six years ago, seven, eight, if you want to go back to the beginning of this. And then it started creeping in. I started remembering this. I started, you know, this kind of stuff, this talk, people want to go watch this movie. They're talking about this book they're passing around secretly though, some of them, but and then, and then it started getting more and more. Now, now you get church members putting this all over Facebook. And, and so did we learn everything we were supposed to learn from 50 shades of gray, or did we just keep hitting that shame button and trying to put that thing back in the closet? Okay. And what I mean on this, on the 50 shades of gray, because there's a lot of different ways we can do on this, whether you just want to call this and dismiss it as word porn or whatever you want to do and marginalize this thing. It got the attention of a lot of Christian women because like you said, Ragnar, it hit a lot of primal triggers, right? And, but it made a lot of people in the church, even though many Christian girls, and you don't even have to say that women of all faith of all kinds, we're drawn to read these books, grab these. There's no way you can have 150 million copies sold without you're hitting something in the site. It's on, it's on E-Network every other Saturday, the trilogy yeah. on, on Entertainment Entertainment Network on cable. Yeah. Those three those three shows are on every other Saturday. And then the Saturday that's not on has got uh, Sweet Home Alabama and <laughs> a Notebook. Now, the, the, the thing is Sweet Home Alabama and Notebook is both those guys and alpha guys. Yeah. You know, the, the country boy that she used to be married to in Sweet Home Alabama, and she goes to the city boy, nice guy, and comes back to the country boy again. He's edgy. He doesn't take her he take her stuff, you know. He pushes yeah. back on her. He passes her test. The same yeah. thing in a notebook. You know, he's passing her test. He's, he's edgy. He's like, you're not, you know, whatever. And so those movies are on E-Network, 
And then the following week, you'll see, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding, at least once a month, you'll, you'll have those two on, and then you'll have Trilogy. It was this one last Saturday. Go Saturday. The three Fifty Shades movies back, back to back. Movies we love. The network is yeah. like 90% uh, women viewers on that network. Yeah. And they know what pulls in the ads on that. So those, those five movies are played every month on Entertainment Network channel, and it's populated by women and they put those on on the weekend nights because there's no all these women are sitting there with their popcorn watching those movies over and over and over again my girl owns notebook my girl owns sweet home alabama seen them both 20 times can quote the dialogue yeah right? she's read the 50 shades books she knows movies so you know it's not hard i mean what so how how hmm, let me see how do i solve that rubik's cube she's telling me what market research here she's telling me what she likes She's telling me what's attractive. Yeah. She can recite the dialogue. She tells me, oh, wait, part's good. Watch this. I mean, she's got it prized. Hmm. How do I, how, what kind of reconnaissance do I have to do to behave in a certain way that might trigger some primal attraction there? I mean, it's not, it's not advanced calculus. The, the, the plan's laid out right there what to do. Just do it. You know, you see this. Here's the funny thing, Ragnar. You know, Abednego, you see this all the time. How many women in the churches can quote you these movies back way better than they can quote the Bible back? Okay. When we talk about Fifty Shades of Grey, again, people in however they want to view this stuff, because on the other side of it, people will talk about porn. Okay. And they're just really talking about excitation levels. Okay. Testosterone levels are spiked on this. Okay. Um, what, and okay. Well, if you want to argue about that, Abednego, we don't even know. Okay. What is porn then? Okay. And we don't even know what that is. Okay. That we've talked about so many times. Uh, and people argue about it. The deal is if you have spiked in your testosterone levels that got you excited, Okay. Now, obviously in the Middle East, you know, if somebody's ankle shows, look, for them, that's porn. They're excited about this. It doesn't matter. You can go, you can go onto any beaches down here in LA. They'll be wearing a thong or nothing and nobody's excited about this. Okay. So there's not one universal thing. Ragnar, when you talk about 50 shades of gray, why did it grab all these gals in churches and Midwest and all these people who are supposed to be suppressed in all these sexual ways, why did they come out of the closet and jump all over this stuff? Because they're not seeing this in their regular life, in their bedrooms, in their homes, in their relationships. Okay. And instead and of- they, And the primal home, drive getting triggered. The universal oh, sure. primal drives yep. in, all, in all women, unless they've been abused or, or they're not heterosexual, they, they prefer women or whatever. But I mean, it's just heterosexual sure. women that haven't been abused. These drives are there. They may be under eight inches of dirt and silt, but it's still they're there. there. It's still there. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's so, you know, I mean, there's a, the TV series Pole Dark back a few years ago, uh, Crusader, I turned you on to. There's not a woman I've showed that to from 80 to 15. That first season of Pole Dark, not sit there glued to that, turned on. Where can I find Ross Pole Dark? From 80 to 15. Now listen, most guys, hmm, maybe you want to watch and study that. Maybe you want to study that a little bit and see what's true in these women from 80 to 15. To me, that's why I own all five seasons. I recon that. 
you know? I mean, I've seen the notebook 10 times. I mean, I understand the psychology behind it, and I implement it, and I provide it in my own relationship, not only for my own joy and to get my cups full, but to get – it's my job as her uh, partner to make sure her cups full. She wants me to have that energy. She wants me to bring that energy because you know what? If you want a affair-proof and divorce-proof relationship – Bring that energy. Be the, be the guy she sees in Notebook. Be the guy she's talked about in Fifty Shades. I mean, you don't want to be a billionaire with a helicopter, but you can provide a version of that. You can provide a small-town version of that. Be in charge. Flip switches when you walk into restaurants. Take charge. Open the car door for her. Take charge. Make a reservation. Tell her what you want to steer in that night. You know, I mean, just take – you can do a, a small-town version of that kind of energy. I mean, it's right there. I mean, the research is right there. Those movies are on Entertainment Channel every weekend. It's always full of women movies. They've been played a million times, and millions of women watch every Saturday night eating her popcorn. The research is clear. And the reason they have them on there, why? Because they sell advertising, because they're pumped full of feminine products and everything else on there that whole three hours every Saturday night. It's, it's, they don't, you won't see one man commercial on there. You won't see a commercial for any sauce during that Saturday night. I promise. It's all women. Why? Because they know the eyeballs. Millions of women eyeballs are on to see this movie for the thirtieth time, and so they pump it full of female ads. I mean, the research is right there. It's not advanced calculus, you know. And let me, Ragnar, what you're saying now, because somewhere along the way, you're talking about the tools, okay? You're talking about the tools that guys have available to them, but because of Bednico, the churches have put this down, suppressed this, pushed the shame button on all this stuff, on the guilt button. They've taken all these tools away, okay? And all that really any guy wants, okay, is they want someone to touch your pee-pee out here. But what we've heard growing up, oh, that's naughty, that's dirty. You got to go out, you got to take that out to the ball. That's, that's dirty talk. Okay, you can't look at those kind of pictures, all this stuff. Okay, and so what happens now, Abednego, then all of these good little church guys again, they're still stuck back here on this page right here, Abednego. Okay, they're trying to figure out right here, how do we, we have sexual needs, the women do. How do we rectify that and still be men of faith? How do we do this? And how do we deal with a dead bedroom situation where you're not getting any sexy time, nobody's touching your pee-pee, you got a dead bedroom here, but you're trying to stay faithful in your marriage. First of all, covenant's been broken many times along the way for you to get to this place. Okay. So, but as a, as a, as a male, female too, huge. You still have need for regular and healthy sexual outlet. But what they've done, Ragnar, societally, they've taken all these tools away from the guys. Okay, made them jump through hurdles and follow the rules. No, why why do you do think they did that? I, I mean, I, I'm going to push the edge here a little bit because I sit outside this loop a little bit, and it just frustrates the heck out of me. Why do you think, why do you think they made this natural bodily function a shame? Why do you think the people in power did that? It's power and control, buddy. Yep. Do you think it was to, dis, to, to unstable men? And to make them bad and to make brains and to make them weaker so that they were easily, more easily to be manipulated like a, like a, like a gilded uh, animal or, or a sheep 
and they can guide him around much easier now. I mean, what do you do? What do you do to a to a stallion if you want to mellow it out? You castrate it, right? So they can't castrate at least yet. I mean, this is an election year. We'll see. Maybe a year from now we'll be getting castrated. Who knows? But but you can't castrate at this point. But what yeah. do they do? They they psychologically castrate men so their docile can be moved around and don't ask questions of the people in power. So mm-hmm. why do you think all these years they made men feel guilty and women feel guilty for sexuality? Because they know it's the strongest drive we have next breathing. And so if they make that wrong, they make breathing wrong. You're going to be walking around circles all the time because you're insane, but you've got the extreme drive that's wrong. Breathing's wrong. Gravity's wrong. And so the, your whole day, your mind is overtaken by this obsession that the thing you're driven to the most, that you were put here on earth by God to do, is wrong. And so now you're castrated psychologically. And now we manipulate you, we can take money, we can guilt you into this, guilt into that. In my opinion, a lot of the shame came from just a power trip from men, not God. Power tripped men, not God. That's this came from. That's my strong belief. And so this is not God. Like, well, you know, we have people that have been on this before that can't say the word sex in their own marriage. But it won that battle. A guy can't say sex to his own house, to his own wife. He can't say sex. That is hey, Ragnar. Ragnar, let me jump in here. Ragnar, let me jump in here. We've got some modulation on your side. And so I'm going to um, hold those thoughts there. Okay, uh, let me. I know what you're saying, but it kind of cut in and out. You're saying that even the guys we've worked with, they can't still Ragnar. If I if I heard you right, they can you guys hear me okay on this? They're saying, look, they can't you say can, the word sex. There you go. Yep, I can hear you now. Go ahead. They well, can't say the word sex, and so and so the elite won that one. Whoever the power trip to put this in a million ago, two million ago, they made all shameful. That made breathing wrong. These guys can't say the word sex. You got grown men, fifty-year-old men that can't say the word sex in their own house, and they're so they have been emotionally and spiritually castrated. That the that the biggest drive have that's been given to them by God procreate is wrong. Man did that to their fellow man, in my opinion. God didn't do that. But but the problem is everybody feels so shameful, but they think it's a God thing. I don't think it's a God. I think all this shame came from power to men being charged, trying to get their own ends met through power manipulation. And they want to be overthrown. You see it today in modern society. Find one commercial in an hour or two on TV that shows a strong and confident man that's capable. None of them. They're still doing it. Now they do it with TV. It's doing it through the church. Before they just did the church. The technology. Now they do it with cell phones, TV. Every ad you see is weak men. They're still making men walk around in circles like they're lobotomized and ashamed. But now they can do it much more efficiently with technology. Before they had technology, the only way they could get mass communication out was through the church. That was the only way they could do it, the church. And so these guys would guilt people and guilt people and people because you want to control these men. You want to take their drive away. You want to make them ashamed of that. And if you take, if you make the guys, a guy's strongest drive wrong, and ashamed. He didn't have energy to do anything else. 
He's walking around, especially if he thinks God's looking at him. If, if, he's, if he thinks that came from God, he thinks God's up there with the secret camera looking at him, and, and he can see everything he's doing, and, and so the guy can't even function. He can't even think. If you're a, if you're a, a, a 50 old man-ish, 55-year-old man, and you can't say the word sex in your own house, they won. So I don't think this is a God thing at all. I think I think if everybody realizes this is not a God thing, the shame thing yeah. is not a God thing, it's a man-made thing to control men, to keep power in a, in a power hierarchy in place, then I think this stuff clears up very quickly. Everybody's substituting an actual thing that came down from a man to control people as a God thing. In my opinion, those two are, are cognitive dissonance. Why would God give us a strong drive and then tell you not to use it? I mean, it's just insane. You know, shame. Shame, Ragnar. Shame is a man thing. Okay, shame is a man thing here, and it's it's buried in everybody, and it can come out a bed and a go in all the in all the in all the places. Um, let me go back, Ragnar. What you're talking about and how they control people. Okay, you guys remember uh, who's our was our show here? Uh, Mel Gibson, Braveheart, back in the day. Was this was this 20 years ago? Whenever this was. Okay, at the beginning of the show, and it comes out later. He's got his babe, and he they want to go get married, right? You remember all the deal. Prima nocta. But the Earl, the prima nocta, okay? This this concept, this principle, prima nocta, is that this feudal lord, he gets a chance on every night before the wedding to go bang this babe. He makes every husband in the whole thing, in all his feudal lands, or however they want to categorize all that, he turns them all into cuckold guys. He gets to go bang their babes. Okay, in the scene with this Braveheart deal, you know Mel Gibson and his girl, he said, "Off into the woods, we're all we're running all the countryside, and we're gonna go have our deal." That okay? So you talk. I'm not all that except the knowledge of it. Ragnar about is how they entered shame in here, and all these guys passive in all these ways, they controlled all that through sex um, as a primary instrument to drive shame and guilt. Why? For control and power. Okay. We see this on um, one of those we like to watch. It, it's Vikings on History Channel. Okay. And there's some real powerful things on this too. I mean, if you don't think that resonated with people, this Vikings show, History Channel. Okay. Why on earth do they have 24,000 ratings on Amazon? Um, I have looked all over the place. Uh, about things that had so many ratings, and I can't find them. I think Fifty Shades of Grey is 16,000. So you talk about that show, Vikings, right? Season one, I think there were 23, 24,000 reviews on this thing, okay? And because it hit primal needs, primal desire in here, how do we create that? When we look at our own relationships, as we transition this back now, if this is so important, okay, as far as sexuality being a primal trigger the church understands back in the day and i still think they're actively involved in this somewhere how do we put the brakes on those primal triggers so that we can control the men and the women okay and they've done they've done a huge mind job on all this okay and listen the biggest again, the biggest I, I'm, proof, I, I'm with you the biggest this. proof that right. what i just said is true is the fact that you, like you said, you go to the church house to get married and the courthouse to get divorced. That's the biggest piece of evidence that, that backs up what I just ranted about a minute ago. Because if it wasn't a control thing about money and control, 
And because they can throw a guy in jail, it doesn't make child support. They can throw a guy in jail. I mean, the state is in your bed as soon as you sign that paper. So if it truly wasn't about power trip and control, then you would you would go, you would go see if they go to get married. And if it didn't work out after some counseling, you go see Bendigo to get it dissolved. You wouldn't go to the courthouse. But the fact you go to the courthouse backs up everything I said about all the shameless stuff coming from the power trip the elites, whoever's in charge. And now you see it through media, cell phones and all the ads against men and all that kind of stuff. It's if you gotta you gotta you can see who they're most scared of. You know, the elites are most scared of a certain type of male. And that's why everything you see on there, the, the only the only type of male that can't protest without getting hit in the head and arrested and thrown in jail for 30 years are on this call right now. Everybody else can go out, protest, tear down monuments, tear everything. Nobody cares. They catch and release, catch and release. Why is yeah, but, that? Yeah, but Ragnar, you guys better not meet out at your church. You good little guys better not meet out. And in fact, we're going to cancel. Who did they cancel the other day on a con? Was it Doobie Brothers, right, or something like this? we got to cancel that thing. Yeah. But we're going to still burn down all the buildings and all the courts and all the police stations, right? So without without turning it too much into well, a... Well, the thing is, they stirred a rally. They stirred a motorcycle rally every year up north. in North yep, Florida, South yep, yep. And they were complaining. Now, they were playing all the rents. Nobody mass them there. But because Sturgis was up there in north, and it was a certain demographic, and more tend to be more people that you know, and and so they there's all over CNN, everything how bad it is, and oh my gosh, there's no masks, there's going to be a spike in COVID. They same group were saying nothing about these riots, nothing, you know, about the disease spread of these riots. I mean, it's so obvious. Once you swallow, you know, once you see things, once the smoke's blown away, and you see this very clearly. Then the guilt and the shame go away because you realize this is not from God. This is manipulation from powerful men who want to remain in power. And once you realize that, then then there's no guilt. Then they just blows away. It's once the awareness, once that switch flips in your head, you see that this didn't come from God. This is this is control. If it came from God, we would we would if we got divorced, we would get divorced in the church house. You know the fact the state is all that, and you know. I mean, I've been through that game, you know, with, with kids and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it is a meat grinder and it is a, it's a profit center, multi-billion dollar profit center, uh, that they milk people like that. So anyway, I've off my rant, but, but I, Ragnar, I, I, let I, just, me, I, I didn't want Ragnar, to dig around uh, this anymore. I just wanted to rip. No, that's okay. Ragnar, here's the thing on this. And I'm going to go to you back and go real quick. Is that I'm glad you brought this up about the shame. Once you understand how shame is directed and this hierarchy of shame because this is perfect working in next week is class number seven seven golden rings to relationship success is that number seven the last one we're going to do next week okay it's about shame and how to get relief from shame so we're going to go into all this but it ties really quickly uh it ties really well in here a bed to go there's a couple of things we look at then because we talk about all this stuff. Is there even some hope? I know we've got to, you know, wrap this up for too long, but we do have time on there. Um, Abednego, let me go to you on this. There's a lot of guys in our church who are dying out there. The relationships, the guys don't have any. We talked about this before on another show, about 70% of all the divorces are initiated by females. 
down again down at the courthouse to go find a lawyer get new rules whatever okay so we got to be aware of all this stuff in our modern society about what what rules are being played in the game here on this um you referenced a little bit about a about some of the counseling sessions you've had and those you know obviously we're not talking about individual names so we're just talking about people you work with i work with a lot of people stretched from coast to coast here uh ragnar you do you do also that's been well documented in our anybody who's paying attention to what we've been doing over the last two and a half years abednego these are things that you see in the church that are near and dear to you um because you marry people you officiate them. I mean, let me, let me, <laughs> you know, you marry people, you officiate. Okay. And you're involved in premarital counseling and stuff like this. Ragnar, both of you have thoughts on the importance then of vetting. Okay. Uh, Ragnar, in a minute, I want you to go into that analogous side about, you know, you're buying a truck and you get into that in a minute. Abednego, are we vetting people wrong then? How do we vet for sexual compatibility? Right. Because that's really, sounds like to me, that's where we need to be going. You, you're married, and everybody wants to marry a good little princess, Disneyland virgin, all this deal. And then you have no idea what's under the hood. You have no, you didn't do any vetting. You don't know what's going on. Too much shame, church, God, Jesus, angels, all that. Abednego, talk about how important it is then to vet. I'm not sure that we're vetting wrong. Um, as much as I think we've been trained um, very poorly. Uh, we're this, this, we don't live in the culture that the Bible was written in. Uh, biblical culture was way different. Um, women had zero rights in, in biblical times. Uh, they relied on a man for everything. And so men were pretty much almost what you would say forced alphas. They had to lead in their families. They had to make decisions. They had to keep the bears away. They had to put food on the table. They had to do all those things. Women relied solely, their sole existence was wrapped up in, in the man uh, that they had. And so what you see is that the Bible doesn't address this, a lot of the topics that we talk about directly because it wasn't an issue in biblical times. What we should be able to do is look at people like David, and we've done that, um, and look at their alpha characteristics. And we should be able to mimic that. We should be able to learn from that. I think Ragnar was dead on when he was talking about these movies that are out there. And we have the answers right in front of us. It's right there. But as Christians, we back up from it because, oh, well, now, wait a minute. That's Fifty Shades of Grey, that's, that's naughty. That's, that's bad stuff. We, we can't look at that. Um, you know, we can, as Christians, so many times, the, we think the only place that we could ever find an answer is in the Bible. And for some of us that are Christians, it's only in the KJV, ver it's, it's only the King James Version. It's, you can't find it anywhere else. I'm kind of poking fun there. Um, but, you know, we've got to realize that we're not operating in the same culture that the Bible was written. And so the Bible doesn't address, how do you become this alpha dude? How do you, how do you draw um, the affection and the passion and, and of, of your wife? How do you get her to be enthusiastic 
Um, you know, I think for the most part, in biblical times, I don't think they had a whole lot of trouble with that kind of thing. I really don't. Um, it, it, they, they just didn't. Um, but nowadays, we do, and so we do need to learn from, we need, we need to be able to, I think we need to free Christian men and Christian women up to look to secular sources to find information that's going to help them in their marriage. And if it's true, if it's good secular information, you're going to be able to line it up with the Bible. Um, you know, we, we've talked before uh, about that. If it's truth, then, then you're going to be able to reconcile that to the Bible. And so, you know, I think, again, Ragnar was dead on. We've got to learn from what's out there, what, what's, what's getting women all worked up, what's getting them fired up, and then go be that guy. I know the, of, of, um, a, a couple in our church who they, they kind of let it out, and then they're really embarrassed that, oh, yeah, we went to the latest Fifty Shades of Grey, and they told <laughs> – they told the guy in the pulpit that, you know, and I, I didn't react any way. You know, I didn't shame them by any stretch. I was like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, come to find out, the guy said, hey, that night was pretty, pretty fantastic. That you bedroom know? ain't dead. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I think that's, listen, man, there, there's, so I know there's a lot of hope a bed to go on this. Okay. There's a lot of hope, guys. Now, again, there's, we're dealing with two different demographics. We're dealing with people who are dating in a church. I mean, and also just people who are dating. They don't have to be affiliated somehow. Uh, because I think we've done a, a total mind job on the way relationships work in a church. Uh, but there's hope. There's hope for also people. Now, it's different, but there's still hope for people who've been married for a while. Okay. One of the biggest things about how all of this works, Ragnar, is that there's got to be some mystery on this. Okay. So you've got to have mystery. And that's harder and harder to do the longer and longer you've been married and there's familiarity levels that rise every time. And so that kind of gets tougher too. Okay. But I just want to know because there are hopes and we want to, there's a lot of hope out there and we want to make sure. Okay. And we give them some practical things like we talked about. We've got, we got another few minutes here. Uh, I want to go back to you Ragnar on this. There's some things that we've talked about before and I like how you put some of these things, but before we get into some, you know, some specific things about people, because people say this all the time, well, you got to step up and you got to be the man. And, and, and a lot of people don't even know what that means. Okay. But it's a total shame lever that, modern society with this feminine imperative used to shame guys. Oh, you got to step up. You got to man up, but then nobody tells you how to do this thing. So Ragnar, we're going to get into that in a second, but before we do, we're going to go back to this idea, Ragnar on vetting and looking under the hood and what this means. You've talked about our favorite uh, people who like to shame everybody, this Baptist preacher out here, go into that a little bit because it's also has analogous side to dating and vetting go into into that a little bit of love when you get into that rant or not rant however you fired up you can get about this there there's a side of that that works in conversation to build this case on there ragnar and on the vetting side of it go ahead and take that away if you would well we discussed before Bassett. you know if you grab the, the most conservative baptist preacher in this country where you know Everybody's conservatively dressed and in the shirts and everything. And if you told him, if he was interested in buying a vehicle, he had to buy it sight unseen. 
or he can look at the outside, but he can't test drive it. He can't look under the hood. He can't get his brother-in-law that's canic to look at it. He can't do anything. He can look at the outside. He can sit inside it, and that's it. He can't do anything. But he, every vehicle he buy, he, he buy it that way. He would say, "You're crazy. There's no way I'm gonna." If it was like a thousand-dollar piece of junk, he would say, "There's no way I'm gonna buy that." I took a look at the hood. I haven't been in that thing. I don't know what's in it. I drive it on. Does the video work? I mean, let me flip this switch. Let me flip that switch. Turn the ignition. He, there's no way he, there's no way he would put a dump down for that. He, he would tell anybody that would do that. He himself tell the foolish. But that same shame and beliefs will tell a young eight-year-old man or twenty-year-old man that that is, is dating a girl that if he tries to inspect the girl and any kind of sexual to see if they're compatible situation. If he does that, he's wrong. It's a sin. And that's to me. A relationship with potential wife or woman for the rest of your life, the financial investment, the most investment with potential children and things like that, the, the amount of exposure you have there, if there's worse, financial exposure, legal exposure, if you get child support in jail, all that stress that can come there, that major investment of emotional uh, love and time and, and, and all pain of itself, he says you can't bet that, but you can, for a thousand dollar junk car, you go under the hood of that and make sure you get your brawl mechanic. To me, that is insane. I mean, it's just insane. But the, the, I guarantee you, this, the same guy that's E5 that came to the word sex house also wasn't able to vet by. I guarantee you, if he said the word sex, there was zero vetting going there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think we just go back here. Um, remember a few years ago, Bill, I mean, look, I still like Duck Dynasty, okay? Um, I want to make sure. Bendigo, did you hear uh, Ragnar when he was saying, mine kind of cut in and out, but I, I got I got the idea of it. Um, so um, if, if we need to go over some of that again, it's fine. You remember back in the day on Duck Dynasty, and I think it was maybe Phil, and he was talking to his grandkids about vetting and how do you know if she's the right girl and, and the the – this is an extension of that, obviously. This goes another level. But he thought, hey, man, how do you know if you didn't even know if she could cook and she's going to be your wife for how many years, okay? How do you even – you don't even know if she can cook anything, okay? Of course, some of your modern people got all fired up and said, oh, she's supposed to just be in the kitchen, you know, barefoot and pregnant and cooking for day long. His thing is still about vetting. If you don't know – what she can do, take care of you, nurturing side, whatever. Ragnar, you're talking about the same thing, but you're talking about sexual compatibility here, okay? Uh, there's no way you buy something unsight, sight unseen like that without you got to take it out on the interstate and get this thing up to 80 or whatever your number is, you know? And, I, and I've never seen a guy buy a car, by the way, without they get in, crank the gas up a little bit. It's still in park, but they want to hear how it sounds, right? And a bed to go, then you know what is next? I don't care if you're 13 or you're 33. You want to turn that stereo on and turn it up to full volume. I want to see what's in this thing, okay? It doesn't matter that you can change the stereo at any time, okay? But on a deal where you're talking about Ragnar looking under the hood for sexual compatibility here, all right? You have an opportunity here in a marriage where if this goes sideways or goes south on you, and you're in court, you got to give up half of everything you have when you go down to the courthouse and play by their rules, 
okay? And that costs way more than some vehicle out here. You're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars on this deal. I mean, listen, go ask Jeff Bezos and Amazon what it cost him last year to break up his lifelong marriage on this, you know, billions of dollars, okay? And you wouldn't check compatibility on a vehicle that costs several thousand bucks. And what's, how do we work that? How do we rectify that? Okay. And so there's some different things. I think we've got to do a better job in vetting. We've got a whole series on that we're going to do. Uh, we have done that a number of different times in our group, in our classes, about how do you vet people for compatibility? Not only sexual compatibility, obviously, but personality. Okay. In terms of submissiveness, these kinds of things. And so before we get into some real specific things, Abednego, do you have any other comments on that side? We heard. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, there's there's this tension that I think you always feel as as a Christian between um, living out your faith and obedience to Christ and to his word. And and yet, how do you do these things? How how do I know that she's going to respond to me in, in ways that I would want to and things like that? I think. Um, part of the issue is um, maybe we just know way too much. Uh, maybe we just have way too much information. Um, you know, I don't know uh, what the specific numbers are, but I know it's extremely high of, of young kids now who are, who see pornography and view pornography. And you look at that and you think, wow, that's the way it's supposed to be. I, I just wonder if two people got married uh, and, and it's like, it's sad that you can't go question a lot of people because you don't even know two people who are virgins who have never viewed pornography at all, um, what, how they would rate their, their marital satisfaction and their sexual satisfaction um, because they don't know any better. Um, they don't know, oh, well, Sally Joe felt like this and, and Susie felt like this and you know, this other girl felt like this, and my girl, she don't feel the same, or she don't kiss the same. She, you know, if you had nothing else to compare to, um, how would that affect things? Um, but the problem is, we live in a society where we probably do have uh, that we can compare to, and so I think that flips in there. It it, it kind of muddies up the water, and it and it um, it makes it really difficult. But at the end of the day. Yeah, how do you know that this little girl who you grew up in the same church, maybe a different church, she's a good little Christian girl and comes from a good Christian family and she's been raised up right. And um, how do you know that she's going to be into, into sex? How do you know that? How do you know that for sure? Um, and I, I think there are, I think there are ways. There's definitely indicators. It, it, there's, are there any IOIs? Is there indication of interest whatsoever? Um, you know, I'm not saying that necessarily. I wouldn't go to the extreme that you need to go have sex with her um, to see if you're compatible. Um, but I, I really believe that you can tell. Is she into you? Is she passionate? Uh, does she close her eyes when she's kissing you? Uh, is, is, she, is she embracing you? Is she bringing you in close? Is she kind of pushing you away? I think there are lots of indicators of, of interest that, um, that you can go off of that can let you know 
uh, whether or not she's going to be into you. Um, but I do think we probably do a lousy job of vetting. Um, basically, the way I see a lot of guys vet is, yeah, she's pretty hot. She's into me. I think I'll, I think I'll go marry her, you know. And sometimes, I mean, dude, anymore, I, I, I deal with a lot of young people. And, you know, girls are so desperate now to, to get a commitment from a guy. Um, you know, they're so desperate that they don't vet hardly at all. You know, this guy, okay, he's, he's going to fog up a mirror. Uh, he looks pretty decent. Maybe he's going to be able to make some money. Uh, I, I better jump on this. You know, it's either that or they're so stinking picky um, that they, they gloss over guys who would be great for them. Uh, I, I, I want to hit on one thing, though. Because I've seen this before. Girls, if there's any girls watching, or if you're a dad and you've got a girl, tell her to stop waiting on God to send her somebody. That, that is the worst. That is the absolute worst advice that we could ever give a young girl. Just wait, and God will send your prince to you. No, he won't. He's not going to do that. Read the book of Ruth. Read the book of Ruth. Ruth had to go to Boaz because Boaz was oblivious. And she had to lay at his feet because he had, the dude had no idea. He had no concept. She had to express interest. And so sometimes girls, you just got, you got to go out and, 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 and get that guy. Um, but it's, 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 cra it's crazy. It's crazy what we say in the church about sexual things. It's crazy what we believe in the church about marriage and about um what's right and what's wrong and and how how we go about things i i am all for being as being biblical in everything that we do um but you definitely have to vet people my goodness um you know i think phil robertson was right you're gonna marry a girl you you're gonna be married to her for 50 years and you don't even know she can cook you know you're gonna be married to a girl and you don't even know she'll french kiss you you're going to be a married girl, and you don't even know. Hey, uh, can we can we mention kissing, French kissing on here? No, is that well? We might have went too far. Uh, we're breaking some rules there, or something. We, we might want to bleep that one out. <laughs> but you know, you <laughs> and and that is that's so true. I mean, the thing is, what do we know about marriage and and, and about sex? Sex is really is is there anything more critical in a marriage than sex? I mean. No. The Bible tells us that as a man, you're going to the, the man is going to leave his father and mother, be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's sex. They're united together in sex. The the word picture given, if you take that back to original language, is lamination, like you're laminating two pieces of wood. You're gluing this together. It's literally the glue that holds the marriage together it's sex and so it, sex is super important that's why in marital uh, counseling i look at the young ladies sometimes they're little older ladies but i'll look at them and i, and I will i will say unless you're willing to have sex with this guy at least three four five times a week maybe more let's not even do this it is that important
is that important. Abednego, I'm going to say this. Um, there's a couple things. I don't want to, we're going to have a whole other show, multiple shows on vetting. But I would say one of the things we kind of laugh at, but we only laugh because sometimes I'm through that pain on this, is that just go ahead and take your girl ballroom dancing. Ragnar, this has been just primo for you, okay? If she can't, if she can't let you lead in ballroom dancing, either freestyle or in a lesson, you need to go do something else, okay? So that, that's one of the things we talk about vetting. Another thing that I want to just say here as a couple bonus items, because we got to get into some 1921 concepts. We got some stuff, and and we want to. We're going to get to some practical stuff too, okay? Is that you need this girl who it doesn't matter, man. Whatever you send her a note, an email, a voicemail, a phone call. If she's not, heck yes, I'm I'm on board. I'm doing this. But but if you get the girl who is, wait, what is it? Now where are we going to be? Now what are we going to drive? How much money do we need? Where are we going to stay? Well, I don't care about all that, okay? One, this happened to me uh, three days ago. Okay, this happened a few days ago. There was a big. There's a big event coming up. Okay, a big event that's coming up in January. And I said to one of my kids, okay, it's so one of the boys. I said, hey, we're going to get some people together and we're going to go do this other thing. And this is. And he said, well, and and so well, okay, when's this going to be? And I said, no, this is going to be. I don't know, six, seven months out yet. Whenever. Okay. And I said, hey, um. Do you think so and so might want? And man, he got an answer back in 30 seconds. Yep, I'm going. Heck yes, I'm going. It wasn't about, hey, where are we going to be? Hotel? Who's going to be here? How are we going to drive? What are we going to do? It was just, I'm going. I'm in. If you're in, I'm in. Okay, now, as far as vetting, you don't really need a whole lot more than that. Okay, if they're making you jump over hurdles and follow rules and doing that means they see you as a beta and you you don't want any of that deal at all believe me ragnar this is the kiss of death on this thing okay because they're what they're going to do they're going to make rules for all these guys that they don't eventually want anyway okay so i don't want to get into a whole thing here on vetting because again there's too much content there that we're going to get into it another time you brought up this thing abednego about marriage being a sex contract it's got to be. If you look at it some other way, you're naive or stupid or ignorant. Or, listen, if someone showed up and you're about to get married and, and, and your gal says, oh, well, I don't know if we're going to get into sex too much, you need to run the other way too. That's just a straight up vetting call. Okay. Because mm -hmm. if you can't look without the sex con, without the sex, it's just a really complicated, goofy friendship here. Okay, so when I say marriage is a sex contract, people out there, listen, you need to believe this side, okay, and full heartedly jump on board with this concept. I'm going to go right now to 1921 and explain this because one of the things that is important in all this stuff, okay, um, a few years ago, I think 2017, Harvard did a big study, and I think it was uh, 50, 52,000 guys over 30 years, they tracked all of their frequency for sex, masturbation, and all this deal. And what they found was if you're not having a regular healthy sexual outlet 19 to 21 times a month, okay, 19 to 21 times a month, guys, if you're not having a healthy sexual outlet 19 to 21 times a month, your incidence of prostate cancer increases, I think it was like 31, 32%. Okay, now you can go Google it, Harvard study, 
sexual sexual um, study that Harvard did. So you need to dig into this. But the reason this is so important and the only thing on this is going to go because people will say, well, I, that's not scriptural, and, and, but that out. Again, if this is 50,000 guys over 30 years and, Hardy, and Harvard found significant data on this, okay, 30,000, 50,000 guys, 30 years, okay, 19 to 21 times a month, you got to have to keep healthy prostate going. Abednego, real quick, just real quick, short insight in because we found we found some stuff here and if it's true again i'm gonna go back to you that if it's true there's gonna be biblical backside on this go ahead on this real quick yeah and so there's not there's not chapter and verse that says uh, thou shall have sex 19 to 21 times a week all right there's you don't you don't find that or 19 to 21 times a month you don't find that but what you do find again back to first corinthians 7 where paul's talking and Paul says, do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourself to prayer, then come back together again so that Satan may not get a foothold. And so if you take, okay, so you type, you type prayer and fasting and there's so many days set aside for that, then you take aside um, where the Bible would have said that a woman is unclean because of her period and you take that that amount of time away it lines up with scripture 19 to 21 times it would be all the other days that are available for you to to be able to have a hand job a blow job sex um inter actual intercourse whatever um so it lines up to me i can reconcile that very well with scripture so it doesn't surprise me that there would be a consequence, a physical consequence, if you don't have sex that often. Again, this is the lamination of the of the marriage. We're laminating it over and over and over and over, 19 to 21 times a month. Guys, not a year, not 19 to 21 times a year, 19 to 21 times in a month. And you're laminating that over and over again. It's not surprising to me that there would be a very bad physical uh consequence for not doing that. But uh, Benigo, I got you freaking me out. Blow jobs, hand jobs. Uh, you're freaking me out here. Okay? My head's spinning right now. now. My head, it's be in I, I thought French kissing was going to be enough, but I guess not. My head's spinning right now. <laughs> no, there got to be a sin. Somebody the, has to introduce shame. Okay. Of the three, um, somebody, I should probably be the one that's not saying all these things, huh? <laughs> no, but somebody needs to jump in and introduce shame somewhere. Uh, or, you know, something's going to really go off the rails here. But but uh, I'm glad you brought this up, 1921. Um, listen, I'm just going to say this real quick. Again, if you want to dig into this a little bit more, go check out our other shows, okay? Because um, we talk about this quite a bit on episode one on Seven Golden Rings, class one and class two, right? Is that the clinical definition of a dead bedroom, okay? Is less than one time a month on sex, Okay, so I think it's less than 10 times a year. We're talking about to have healthy sex, healthy prostate, healthy relationship, healthy bonding, healthy lamination of that relationship. You got to have 19, 21 times sexual activity a month. Not, not 19, 21 times a year. Okay, and so people, all this stuff, sex, guys, 
marriage is a sex contract. Ragnar, let me come back to you because I think people forget all about this. They've been married for a few years and, and now their big idea about foreplay point to their crotch and man, that's supposed to get some girl hopping out here. Okay. Point to, and we joke about this in our own group. You know, we point to the cock and get everybody excited. I mean, you got to have, uh, you got to have a really great point to the crotch move. If you're going to get someone excited, just doing that. And so Ragnar, there is hope. Okay. But we've got to change some of the things we're doing on this. You can't just point to your crotch and think some gal's going to be excited for this thing after how many years of marriage and there's no mystery. So, you know, one of the things that you've helped us in a lot of ways is that you don't just start right date and you expect going to be some great play. Not only that day, but early in the week. And talk about how you build this mystery. How do you set the stage, cultivate this for if you want to have happy ending? I mean, Abenda goes over here talking about blowjobs and handjobs and everything else. He's getting carried away. We got to get him settled down, okay? So how do we do this thing in a way where you're getting this good little girl over here? It's because I'm telling you, that good little girl, innocent little girl that you see at church, she still can be your wild cowgirl over here in the bedroom. And Ragnar, walk us through, because we, we promised all these guys they're going to have hope. Go ahead and take it away on what that means for them and how they can restore that. Well, we got about 15 minutes here, so I'm going to go ahead and just kind of rapid fire for a few minutes, and then you and you can clean it up. Um, she wants, again, it goes back to what I said a half hour ago, the prime switches. The primal switches, no matter what is said on uh, MSNBC and, and uh, these other shows, there's primal switches there. If she hasn't been abused and she's into men, there are primal switches there that can, they may be have, they have a lot of dust on them, but some of those switches are, she wants a guy to take charge. She doesn't want a guy to be abusive verbally or anything like that, but to take charge, to have a plan, uh, to also be assertive. And to, so she feels safe, protected, and she feels desired. She wants to have those feelings. A lot of the guys that are raised in the church think it's 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 wrong for to to overtly show a woman that there's sexual energy there. Yeah, I'm talking about touching her per se, but I'm just you know, these guys suppress these nice guys suppress that energy so much, it's so bland. She doesn't feel any spark whatsoever. Even if she likes the guy, she feels no spark. He's so afraid to actually accidentally bump into her, or he might his knee might touch her knee or something like that, and so. That breeds that shows in her in her hindbrain her her primal mindset that that shows lack of confidence on his part. But she wants a man that if she's attracted to shows sexual energy to her. They attracted to her. All that stuff's there. So you want to plan date. You want to surprise on things. When she says you, you want to all kind of stress her. I mean to this day with my girl, we've been together a while now. I will intentionally wait. She wants me to tell her the day before where we're going on a date because she wants to land at all these dresses and all this stuff. I still don't. I mean, I'll do it half the time. The other half the time, I still hit her about an hour. I wait for her to text me. What's the dress code? We're going tonight, you know? And the reason I do that is because she gets irritated at me, but it ain't boring. She doesn't know. Am I wearing jeans? Am I wearing a skirt? Am I wearing a dress? Do I need heels? I mean, she's frantically figuring this out. I said, I'm sorry, baby. I was busy. I forgot to text you. Listen, an hour ahead of time, she's flying through the closet looking for clothes. Trust me, she wasn't doing that in her last situation, okay? 
I intentionally pull that string. Sometimes all the day we're yet tomorrow going to go so and so. You need a dress. Da, da, da. But there's still times. Oops. I'll wait till an hour ahead of time, and she's blowing up my phone. Oh, by the way, gosh, I'm sorry, baby. Listen, I was busy. I had a phone call. Listen, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna need <laughs> nice casual. We're gonna go to some music or whatever. But she's sitting there. Her her lizard brain going. That string's just a fin, and she's like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to be not dressed properly. And then she, I'll catch a little flat from it. She'll say, she'll text me back, and then she's in the car. She'll give me a little bit of, I told you to let me know, you know, what we're going to wear. And I, oh, sorry, whatever, forgot. But she's not bored. She's excited for that whole hour. And she's finally getting dressed in the last second. And then we're going to go do our plans. And I have something planned. We're going to get a little dessert here. We're going to do this here. Maybe we'll do a little dance, listen to some music, whatever. It's all planned. We come home. I take charge of the bedroom, too. You know, we have some music on, maybe a little slow dancing, light handle. Little, uh, you know, most women too. Most women like being undressed. It's a dominance move, not fast. I mean, there's times where it's that kitchen. You just take that old shirt and just take the buttons off of it. But as a whole, though, the vast majority of women like to be undressed. It's a dominance move. It makes them feel special, like they're present. You're unwrapping, and so you slowly undo those buttons, that kind of thing, and slowly undress that woman. And you're building that sexual tension, that sexual energy. Take some time. Take five minutes to get her clothes off. Take some time. And it's it's powerful. So you start the whole time where I said, you know, I kind of mess with her a little bit sometimes about not telling her what, what the dress code. But you just kind of, you're not boring. You know, just before you do something or before you ask, you decide not to do something, ask yourself, is this boring? Is this going to add or decrease order? You know, and just try to do things that aren't boring that she'll find interesting, you know. But always remember, you're trying to trip those primal triggers a little bit that you, that you see on these movies that they play on Entertainment Channel every weekend on Saturday night. You know, you watch those movies. There's always those movies that they play all the time. Sweet Home Alabama is a comedy. But her, her, her high school sweetheart is the alpha in that movie. And you just watch his behavior. You watch uh, The Notebook. Ryan Gosling's the alpha in the movie. You watch his behavior. And so you watch these, and it's right there. And the reason I've asked my girl, I mean, she knew about this stuff until I started dating her, and I kind of pointed out behind the scenes on that. And she's watched that movie for 10 years, and she goes, and I said, do you understand now why you were acting? She goes, absolutely, Ryan Gosling's character, why I like that movie. And, you know, or why do you, and, she, and at the end, when he grows up and he becomes James Garner, then he's compassionate there with her when she's in that facility, and he's really loving, and they die together and stuff. So he's got that compassionate alpha. Ryan Gosling, in the beginning, he cares for more edgy, and then he goes to war and stuff, and then as he's an old man, he's James Garner, and he's very compassionate. He's compassionate alpha. Totally. And the same thing Sweet Home Alabama. That guy's kind of edgy. He was a nobody when she left to go to New York to design clothes. Well, he's got an entrepreneur business. He's really successful now. He keeps it kind of cool. She comes home and just has a happy discovery that all of a sudden he's really successful now. Her, her nobody from Alabama is really successful. And he, he always puts her in place. He doesn't tolerate her fit test and stuff. And, and that's why my girl liked that movie all those times. She's that guy. And Fifty Shades, you know, a different version of that. So that's what it is. So you, it's right there. If you can just, you know, Sweet Home Alabama, I think most people in the church can watch Sweet Home Alabama, you know. I think, I think people, yeah. people can get by with Notebook and Sweet Home Alabama. And there's all the information, all the intel you need to have a successful relationship if you watch those two movies and follow what Ryan Gosling does and what uh, I forgot the dude and the place her her high school sweetheart that she was still married to in, uh, in Sweet Home Alabama, you'll you'll find him. 
you know, you, you kind of follow that stuff and, and understand that millions of women in this country are attracted to those two characters. Millions. And they watch it over and over. My, my girls watch those two movies probably 20 times each. Right, There's a reason. Right, so I have to do show up and be those guys. I mean, some of that stuff I kind of do naturally, but, you know, it's not hard. That's why that's why we're together, you know, is I, I tend to be more way than not, passionate alpha. And so it's easy. Then it's not work. Then she's clean all over you. Then it's not work. Does that make sense? Ragnar, let me say this. Um, yeah. I mean, it's really, really good. And here's the problem, though, right? All of us have been to some historical landmark. Maybe the guy's over here and he's in character. Maybe you went to go see the, 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 the blacksmith. Okay. We were at Plymouth Plantation. Um, I'm losing you. Yeah, it was, it was a year ago. And you go see the blacksmith and he's all in character the whole time. Okay. And he's talking about who these people were that came in on the Mayflower and the whole deal and whatever. If he slipped up and talked about some modern day thing from 20,000, 2020, it would ruin the whole episode here, okay? Guys do this all the time. They step out of character. They go back into their regular day life. I mean, everyone's been to Disneyland. you got those characters. They never step out of character. That's why the fantasy is so good. Okay. What we do so many times, we throw out in the middle of this thing. At Ragnar, we've talked about this how many times, okay? Guy, you – you lose all of the intimacy. You lose all the mystery on this when you step out of character. That's one of the hardest things is that Abednego, I mean, you see it all the time. Guys think they're going to go book, chapter, and verse and start talking about some Bible study thing and then jump in bed with the girl. This is not getting any girl excited when you go book, chapter, and verse, guys. Okay. And guys think they, and I don't even know if this has ever been done in history, is that some guy used virtue to get a girl into bed. Okay. I mean, I don't know how this works that you get a girl. So guys step out of character all the time, Ragnar. When you're talking about mystery, when you're talking about your girl and you're pulling the string as, as that's been in other shows, if you want to go get a hold of that concept, it's pulling the string. It's like a yarn in front of a cat here. They have mystery. They don't know what's coming next. Okay. And that's one of the things, Ragnar, we've talked about. You put algebra in the middle of this thing, they lose interest immediately. Now, whether that was on your date, at the restaurant, before the restaurant, driving there, they fit test you. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? And you don't pass that fit test. You stepped out of character. She no longer thinks you're an alpha. She no longer interested in you. There's no mystery. on. She doesn't have any interest in this anymore. There's you know, no happy. One thing I want to say is, is that. The more, the more you can decrease shame, the easier it's going to be for you to trigger her primal switches. The higher your shame that you have internally, the more difficult it's going to be for you to trigger her primal switches. Because you won't have, you won't have the courage to take those chances. You won't, you won't have the courage to put yourself out there and to keno her, to, 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 to casual, you know, not, not sexually, but just touch her, you know, to build some intimacy or to go for a kiss or to plan a date and say, the more shame you have, you're not going to approach subs where maybe they're kind of slightly edgy, they'll get her kind of turned on. The more shame you have internally, the less success or efficacy, if I can use that word, that you're going to have in flipping her primal sexual triggers. The least, as your shame decreases, the higher that are increased. 
And I mean, I mean, I'm sure Bendigo, you speak to that as far as people you counsel or people you've seen, and, and, and all three of us, our own lives. Once we can get rid of that shame, we'll take more chances. And, and surprise, surprise, when you take more chances, you get more success, right? But what stifles the chances? The, the guy's taking chances. That's shame. That shame stifling. Got to get rid of the shame. Then you can start tripping those primal triggers, has, and then good things happen. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing. Um, when when you're looking for a hot time with your girl, she has to be in character, okay? If she's got three kids hanging around her all the time, it's very hard to build that intimate setting that you're trying. It's the same with the guy, okay? I mean, if, if you're trying to – I think it was as good as it gets, you know? Um, there's a scene where she um, – some kid vomited on her, whatever, um, and our man here is trying to get into an intimate situation and he's got some kids, infants puke all over him. It's hard to turn that and parlay that deal into sexy time. Okay. When now you can't imagine her in any other sexual role. Cause she's got kids vomit all over her. Okay. So we, we, we want this all the time. Everyone talks about 50 shades of gray or porn or this or that, or what gets the guys all excited. Listen, guys in your ways, you got to do all you can to get this girl excited too and to foster that, to cultivate this thing. When you step out of character and start bringing in algebra or weird things or you let her show – you show her too much weakness or you don't pass fit test, you've killed all the intimacy that could have happened on this, guys. So I know we've got to close this down, guys. Real quickly on this, this has been a good one. We can have a follow-up, and we will. Okay, seven golden rings, again, from the uh, PMC boys the positive masculinity crusade on this is that um, class number six, how to have hot marriages is really what we're looking at. I want to go around the ring on here. Uh, Ragnar, a couple takeaways on this before we close it out. A um, couple takeaways. Um, what do you got for us on this, buddy? Well, I think if you can't, def if you can't honestly define the problem, and use the vocabulary necessary to clearly define the problem in every angle and every facet, then you can't solve the problem. So if you can't say the word sex in your house as a 55-year-old male, that's a big part of the problem. And the shame, the shame you are being, you've been waterboarded by shame your entire life, and until you get rid of that shame and be able to at least say the word sex in your life, uh, you're not going to be able to fix this stuff. And, and the bad guys won. The bad guys won. If you can't say the word sex in your life, the bad guys won. And, and to me, that's a poor return on your investment for spending Wednesday and Sunday in church uh, for 40, 50 years of your life if you can't say the word sex in your life. It's done you a disservice. It, you know, you, you, a, a different church with a different uh, practicing philosophy would have been more beneficial in my opinion. Real quick on this, Abednego, you got any takeaways from us on this, buddy? Yep, stay away from algebra. Um, you need to be uh, pinging the right side of her brain, that's emotions and feelings and, and those kind of things. If you're, if you're uh, giving her all the scripture uh, verses about why all the reasons she should have sex with you, then she's sitting there thinking about all the reasons she should not have sex with you. And so stay away from algebra. And then another one, we really didn't talk a lot about it, but it's pretty easy. 
have a mission, guys. Have a mission that's not her, and your mission isn't about sex. Just have a mission that's yours, that's something that you do, something that you're building, some, something, maybe a business or something. God designed her to come alongside you, not for her to be the mission, but for her to come alongside you. She wants your attention, and, and so um, she will gladly come alongside you in your mission, and so get a mission. You know, one of the things that I, I heard recently, you know, if, listen, give a girl everything she wants, okay, and she'll be miserable, okay? It should be about your mission. That's what it should be about, okay? And I guess there's a lot of takeaways I have on all this stuff, okay? And one of them is really, obviously, you know, as far as I'm going to write this down, mystery, because you got to keep the mystery on this. And that's, that's the hardest thing in relationships that have been going on for a while is that you've got to have this mystery and you've got to keep building that. That's something you've got to continue to work on. Uh, Ragnar, you talked about this, you know, is witches, okay? Um, you brought this up a bed and a go, pinging. you got to keep pinging her on this side, okay? And I think one of the things, the biggest thing is, is that everybody needs, and it works really well because – you need shame or relief. The one of, it works really well for us because we're going to go into this heavy duty next time. Okay. So we'll get in class number seven next week on shame relief. This is, is, is my opinion. You know, we have this last, uh, but it's the most important one of all of them in many regards. Okay. And so this is something you guys can look forward to next time on shame relief. We'll get into that. There's a lot of things that you can do out there guys to keep things hot. Um, we'll go into that some other times. Again, we had a little bit here, but we didn't get to explore it as much as we probably would like to, but we'll, I, I promise you, we'll get back to that another time and explore that. Any other closing thoughts you guys had before we sign off here? Yeah. I just want to say that without, without game relief, none of this other stuff's possible. It's just yeah. that simple. If you can get rid of the shame, you can't do any of this other stuff. Yeah, it really is. So it's that's just, why the, the, the last one's in my opinion, so important. You have to get rid of you have to get rid of that man-made shame, that man-made shame that was poured into your head before you even had a vote on what was going into your head. And you have to get rid of that shame. Once you get rid of that shame, all your dreams come true on the other side of shame elimination. That's when they come true. That's when you start getting massive change as far as positive change yourself and what you can achieve in life, the assertiveness and leadership you can provide. The confidence, the image increase itself once you get rid of that shame. But if you have shame, you, you won't take chances to be afraid to. You'll be afraid of what the church says or what your parents say, what your friends say, what you don't want to say. You have to get that shame or none of the stuff we've talked about these other classes as possible if you get rid of shame. Shame is shame is a block on your leg. It's an emergency brake in your Mercedes. Shame is the linchpin on all of this. That's the biggest thing. It just really is. Shame is the key. Shame is the lever. Um, Bendigo, you good on this? Where we got, buddy? Yeah, I just wish I would have had this information 20 years ago. I've looked. I've looked in all the Christian formats for in the Christian bookstore for things that would help, and uh, never could find anything. And we finally went secular. We decided to put it in a Christian format. I hope it's helping a bunch of Christian guys because I'm sick and tired of seeing guys kill themselves because over over a situation that can be easily remedied, easily remedied. And so I'm glad that people are along on the journey.
You know, I want to say this, Abednego, this key part right here that we've all, we've all seen this and we've all had guys close to us who decided to end their life. Okay. And you know, it's, it's been one of the highlights of my life to have you guys here with us all doing this together. Okay. We guys walking on the earth right now because of this effort. Okay. And we had to go and go through elders tribunals and all this other stuff and have hate dumped on us. Okay. Because we went to different ways out there where people aren't used to. Okay. And that's one of the things that we've not been afraid to do. And we've, and it's worked. We've helped a lot of guys, guys. So I just want to thank you guys for being here. Everybody on here, please go ahead and uh, hit the subscribe button down below. Hit that subscribe button if you would. And uh, send us your questions on this at Crusader. Okay. It's Crusader1921. Crusader1921 at Gmail. Okay. So whatever questions you have, we do get those. And I'm thankful for that on the email crusader1921 at gmail you guys have a great week and we'll come back to you next week with the topic of shame relief thanks guys you guys have a great day